Welcome to Unscripted with Pastor Nate Morris. Here each week we engage in candid conversations with Nate, focusing in on some of the subjects brought up in the Sunday morning teaching shared at Mountain Life Calvary Chapel. Do you ever feel condemned by God because of your sin? Or does God give you a feeling of freedom from the power of sin? In this episode of Unscripted, we discuss why we can, at times, feel condemned by God and how we can discover the freedom that God desires to give us from the bondage of sin. Let's join the discussion now. Welcome to Unscripted. Nate, good to see you. Good to be with you again, as always. Um, Great teaching this last week. Uh, I don't know. Do you ever feel like when somebody says, oh, that was a great teaching, do you ever think like, well, how were the other ones? Like, (laughs) (laughs) was this the only one that was great? The only one that was good in a very long time. Yeah. How do do you receive that? Because I heard somebody saying that to you, like, how does that, how do, how do you handle that? Yeah. I, you know, it's kind of a weird, I don't know. I, it's kind of, I feel weird about it, but it's good. Like I actually, like, I think if, if, if you are encouraged by a pastor's teaching, definitely tell them. So I think it's good um, because they will get, they will undoubtedly get negative criticism. So, <laughs> like they don't need puffing up. Nobody needs puffing up. And I know that there, certainly that happens sometimes with pastors, but I think, it is a good thing, but I always feel a little bit weird about it. Cause I'm like, you know, like it was really God's word speaking to you, the Holy spirit speaking through God's word. And so I always kind of try to deflect that a little bit and just say, praise the Lord. You know, like mm. that was God, that was God that moved. And sometimes <laughs> to be honest, sometimes the, 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 when people come to me and say, Oh, that was such a great teaching. It really moved me. God really spoke to me through that. It was like one that I felt like I bombed. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> no, totally. Like, yeah. Isn't that hilarious? It was like what kind of, that was like, I totally messed that one up. I said that thing all wrong. My illustrations were not good. And <laughs> then God just used it in a big way. So um, I do think it's, I do think it's good to, to, to say that to your pastors, to your leaders, just to encourage them if, if their teaching spoke to you. Not, not if it wasn't, I mean, if it wasn't, just don't say anything, but. You don't have to say the bad stuff, but (laughs) if you don't have anything nice to say, (laughs) no, but, um, but, but when people say that I do, I, I kind of feel a little bit weird a little bit because it's just kind of like, it's not about me. You know what I mean? It's about, but, but, but that does, that isn't to say, don't, don't say that because it is nice to hear when God's using what you're, what you've prepared and what you've poured your heart and soul into, to share with somebody. So, yeah. Yeah. I think it can be, uh, almost rude. Like when pastors are like, Oh no, 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 no. Don't thank me, you know. I didn't uh, thank God, you know. And like, right? Yeah. I, I think it's good. Like people are trying to encourage you, you know, yeah, and and just totally. to let you know, yeah, the Lord's using you and speaking through you, which is definitely what you want. So, right, exactly. Uh, yeah, and, and how and, would you know if it's happening unless they, unless somebody lets you know on some level, you know? So. Yeah, yeah. I don't like even the Apostle Paul talked about how the people were his epistle that they gave him the credit that God was using him by their right. changed lives. And um, so I think that that's cool. Yeah. Kind of just a random question there, but I was just wondering about that, but yeah, it was, uh, it was great teaching and not that the others weren't, but uh, <laughs> this one was a great teaching. Um, it was interesting to me too, because I had seen some posts on social media during the week from some people in our church that uh were along the same line of the teaching. And I think that's so cool how 
the spirit moves like that, where uh, almost preparing people's hearts ahead of time for what you're going to bring on Sunday mm. and, yeah. and share with us. Like God was already speaking that to them during the week. And then yeah, that's awesome. when you get up and share that, you know, they're like, whoa, <laughs> he's been reading my mail or my social and media. The funny thing is I don't, I don't <laughs> think I saw any of those posts. So. Oh uh, yeah. So no, I wasn't reading your mail. If that was you, <laughs> the whole well, hey, if you was, it, though, he does. He does. Yeah. And if you put it on social media, that's your own fault. <laughs> there you go. Yep. <laughs> it's out there. Well, a main point of the teaching focused in on how God has rescued us out of our sin. And I was wondering, have you ever been rescued from something? Not the, oh. the spiritual rescue, but have you ever been in a situation where you weren't able to help yourself and you needed somebody else to help you out of that situation? Oh yeah, I absolutely have. Um, the one that's probably the best example, I don't know that I can share actually though. I have to get my family's permission. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Oh, so, I know what you're talking about. Yes. Yeah. But um, that's, man, right. that's the best one. That. I mean, literally rescued, but I, I, may, that'll be for another time. I need to, I need to okay. see if enough time okay. has passed that they're comfortable with me sharing that story. Um, <laughs> but I have, I've been, I've been, um, I, I've been injured on the mountain skiing before and had to be carted off and oh, yeah. those uh, little toboggan things. Oh, I, really? I, I got injured in the back bowls when I was probably in middle school, maybe high Ooh. school, and uh, got hung up on a tree, got stuck upside down, stuck to it. They, they had to send in the ski patrol. They came in and put me on a toboggan and then loaded me on chair five uh, at Vail, which if you know Vail, oh, chair wow. five is, uh, it's notoriously slow. Um, <sighs> and I, like I, I'm sitting in the toboggan laying sideways on the chair, going up the, the chair to then go down the front side of the mountain. So, but yes, oh, wow. I was rescued in that. <laughs> so wow. that was interesting. Yeah. How about you? Um, I can't really think of one, you know, like big like that for sure. But, uh, yeah, I was just thinking when you were sharing about that, you know, one of the things that you talked about in the teaching was about how. Uh, Jesus is the only way, you know, to salvation, to be rescued and how sometimes people get upset about that. Like that's too closed minded. And, and I was thinking about that kind of correlation. Like when you got rescued by that ski patrol, were you like, I don't like the way you're rescuing me. You know, like you, there's <laughs> got to be another way you could do this. There's, there should be more ways than just this one way, you know, and just how yeah. like when you're being rescued in real life, you're just thankful. <laughs> you're yeah, just totally. like, I don't care how you do it. Just rescue me, you know, because you're so desperate right. and how that applies to us should apply to us spiritually. Just like not upset that God only chose that one way for us to be rescued, but just be grateful that he would rescue us at all. But yeah, um, absolutely. well, you shared in the teaching how God does not desire to condemn us, but to save us. And why do you think that it's so natural for us to feel, even as Christians, even as believers, even as people who have a real relationship with the Lord, why is it so natural for us to feel condemned by God? Why do people just kind of go to that? You know, it's funny because um, <clears throat> people don't want to be condemned and they bristle at being condemned, but yet we all, if we're honest with ourselves, know that we deserve condemnation. <laughs> so, yeah. and that, and so like when people bristle at the idea of, of condemnation in general, like they, 
it's interesting because they will, but then at the same time, they still bring condemnation on themselves. They still will condemn themselves um, because, oh, you messed up. Oh, you're so stupid. Oh, you did this. I can't believe you did that. Um, and the reason that it's so natural for us to condemn ourselves is because just to put it bluntly, we deserve condemnation. That's what we deserve is condemnation. We deserve to go to hell. Um, we are spiritually dead and cut off from God and lost hopelessly in our sin apart from Jesus Christ. We deserve condemnation. Mm. And that's what makes grace so amazing is that we deserve it. And yet God doesn't give it. Yeah. Like God gives us what we don't deserve, which is his grace and mercy and love. And so as much as we might deserve condemnation, and that's why it's natural for us to feel condemned or to condemn ourselves, even as believers, um, the, the natural is, is it, God doesn't operate just in the natural. He operates in the supernatural and his, his grace is supernatural. It's above the natural order. Mm -hmm. The natural order would be being condemned, all of us. Um, so when we default to that as Christians, we can feel condemned because we feel guilty about our sin or mm -hmm. about our attitudes or whatever it may be. Um, and that's a natural response, but condemnation isn't from God because he didn't come mm -hmm. to the world to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. And so, um, the, 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 the natural response has to be kind of tempered with the grace of God. Now that doesn't mean that, that necessarily guilt is bad. I've heard people say, Oh, guilt is a bad thing. Guilt isn't a bad thing. Guilt is a natural response to something mm. that we shouldn't have done. You know, <laughs> yeah. my, my dog feels guilty when he uh, sneaks something off the counter. You know what I mean? And I, I can look at him and he like sh shrinks back and shies away. <laughs> That's a natural response because he did something he knows he wasn't supposed to do. Right. Mm -hmm. um, guilt is an acceptable natural part of our, our human walk to feel guilty for our, our sin in as much as it turns us to God, mm. when guilt turns us to God, then we receive the free gift of grace from God, the rescue from God, rather than condemnation. It's when guilt turns into condemnation that it's bad for us, you know? Um, Do you think then that like that condemnation, that feeling of condemnation that, that we experience, do you think that that's coming from ourselves and we're just, uh, saying thinking that it's god but it's rather it's actually just ourselves condemning ourselves but it's not god condemning us then yeah i think it's us and it's satan honestly it says that he's called the accuser of the brethren yeah, yeah. um so there's 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 two there's two prongs to that that's why it's so hard to overcome condemnation because mm. We condemn ourselves. John says our heart condemns us at times, you know, yeah. but then Satan is constantly trying to condemn us, you yeah. know, as believers, especially Satan's going around saying, look at you. You did that. I can't believe you did that. You're supposed to be a Christian and you did that. No. Mm. Right. So when we couple that with our own sense of condemnation and then we receive condemnation from Satan, it's really hard to see the acceptance and the love and the grace of God in the face of that. Um, right. So, yeah, I think that condemnation is, is self-imposed and is imposed by the enemy. Um, and that's, that's the hard balance, really, is to, to, to accept the guilt of our sin. Mm -hmm. Like, if I sin against you, Paul, and I said some, I don't know, let's just say that I said something really horribly rude and mean to you, and, um, I, and then I accept the guilt of that, I can either be condemned over it and let it totally drive me into this self-focused cycle of condemnation and you're such a horrible person, or I can accept that I'm guilty and say, man, I messed up, Paul, I'm so sorry. 
that I did that and receive the grace of God and walk forward in freedom, you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, we're, you kind of already discussed this, but I, I had another question here about how Jesus said that uh, it's the Holy Spirit's job to convict us of sin. So how then do we discern the difference between condemnation and conviction? Because conviction is good. Like you were talking about guilt and stuff. Um, that's a good thing. Condemnation is not a good thing. How do we discern which is which? Like wow. I, I, I can, if you had a microphone in my house, you'd hear me yelling at myself sometimes. Like when I do something dumb and I'm like, Hammond tree. I always call myself by my last name. Hammond tree. You're so <laughs> stupid, man. I can't believe you did that. Why are yeah. you so dumb? You know, like, and then I'm like, I shouldn't be talking to myself like that, especially. That <laughs> but, um, but how do we, how do we determine like conviction and condemnation? Yeah. That's probably a good way to put it is conviction rather than, than guilt, but conviction versus condemnation. Um, conviction points you back to Jesus and the rescue that comes in Christ where condemnation points you to yourself and condemnation is something that ultimately, uh, draws you away from Jesus. And that really is Satan's goal in condemnation is to say, you're not good enough. You messed up. You're too bad. Jesus surely wouldn't accept you. Like he forgave you once, but he, I don't know if he's going to forgive you for this or, or I don't know if you can come back from this. You're just too far down the the hole, um, where conviction is a a brokenness over your sin, but then a turning back to Christ and receiving his forgiveness, but also his power to overcome that sin. That's probably the biggest, um, way that I think believers get sidetracked in this life is feeling condemnation rather than conviction conviction turns you to jesus to say i can't do better (laughs) i know that i can't and i need you to empower me to do better um where condemnation says you should have done better you're never going to do good enough and now you're just too far gone yeah i feel like i've seen that over the years as a pastor too that you know just in church attendance where when people get caught up in sin and feel guilty about their sin and stuff, and they don't go to church, like, you know, well, I got to get myself back together, you know, and get past this sin or whatever, you know, and, and give myself a little bit of uh, time (laughs) before I can go back to church. And and you're just like, no, that's, that's why you should come, you know, when you're really struggling, man, this is what you should be here more. Um, And, but I do, I feel like that, that's a good way of thinking about it. It's like, if you feel bad about your sin and it causes you to run to Christ, that's conviction. If you feel mm-hmm. bad about your sin and it causes you to run away from Christ, that would be condemnation. That would be from the enemy or from our own sinful hearts. Yeah. Yeah. Stuff. Um, well, you shared some verses from Romans six. Uh, I'm going to read these. It says, knowing this, that our old man, was crucified with him that the body of sin might be done away with that we should no longer be slaves of sin for he who has died has been freed from sin. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Um, Can you explain how we practically live this truth 
found here in Romans 6 out that, uh, you know, we've been, we died to sin, we've been freed from sin, but we still have that free will that can choose to sin. Like, yeah. like how does that practically work out in a believer's life? Yeah, I think the <clears throat> the thing that we have to realize is that I have no power over sin in my life on my own. Okay. Um, my life is wrapped up in Jesus Christ. Only in Christ do I have the power to to overcome sin in my life. Um, it, Christ in you is the hope of glory, right? Not not me with Christ, but Christ in me, like mm. me in Christ, being fully, you know empowered by him. And so when I'm feeling that temptation of the flesh or I'm experiencing that old man, the old person um, in my life, it feels like that's who I am. Like it's because that's what I'm used to, right? I'm used to being tempted. I'm used to being, um, you know, uh, drawn into sin and we fall into those things. Absolutely. But what we have to realize is that that person was actually crucified with Jesus on the cross 2000 years ago. Um, the sinner that is me is dead and gone. And now I'm a new creation in Christ. Now I don't always walk in that new creation. Yeah. You know, I, I at times choose to walk in sin and it's like, I'm kind of digging up the old man again and parading him around. Mm. Um, but I, am not who I was anymore positionally in Christ and moment by moment, I can live in the freedom of Christ here and now. Um, my identity is in Christ. And so the, the, the same freedom from sin that Christ has is available to me as a believer. That doesn't mean like I'm not going to sin. So some people take this teaching too far and say Christians mm. don't sin. <laughs> right. Real Christians don't sin. And it weirdly becomes this legalistic thing because this is the opposite of legalism. This is you have no power to overcome sin on your own. You can't do it. But in Christ, I am already free from sin. And so when I go back to sin, it's me choosing to kind of dig up the grave, so to speak, and mm -hmm. pull the, the dead person out and pretend that that's me. Mm. Um, and so it really, it, it, it's grasping something with your mind, I think, grab, grabbing hold of the truth that... Um, when he <laughs> says that I'm a new creation, he means it, that the old person's dead. The, yeah. the old person was crucified with Christ on the cross. Um, and that because I, that person is dead, I'm no longer bound by that person's sin. Yeah. Yeah. You shared an example that I just thought was so cool. You shared a couple of them. I'm going to hopefully get to both of them, but you're, one of them was, this is, isn't an exact quote, but it was something like this that you said, dead people don't mind being buried, you know, six feet under the ground because they're dead. Yeah. But living people find being buried very miserable. <laughs> you true. know that um, just that thought of like, hey, if you're dead and they put you underground and bury you and cover you with six feet of dirt, like you don't care. But if you're alive in that coffin, it's a horrible, horrible experience. And you shared that as an example of how once we've been made alive in Christ, that it's very miserable for us to go back to the grave, to that, that mm -hmm. sinful life. So yeah. what advice would you have for a person who struggles with this? Because I, I did for years, I didn't understand it. I, I was in a church body that, you know, was all about, Oh, by grace, you're saved. And the more you sin, the more it proves that grace you're saved. But the more I sinned, 
the more miserable I was, you know, I just like, yeah. I, I hated it. And, uh, but then there was definitely a period of time where I was like, okay, I want, I don't want this life anymore, but I struggled with that a lot. You know, it was, it was yeah. just a big struggle. Do you, do you have any advice for anybody who might be listening that, that is still really struggling with that? They keep going back to that grave. Yeah. Well, I think, I think there's two things. I think that person should read Romans seven, um, which Romans seven describes Paul's experience in that place. Now, many people read Romans seven and think this is Paul describing his current experience, right. which I don't believe because Romans eight directly contradicts that. Um, but when you read Romans seven, he says, man, I don't do the things I want to do. I do the things I'm not wanting to do. I can't control myself. I, I, I agree with my, with my, with my mind that the law of God is good, but I can't, live it out in my life. And then at the end of Romans chapter seven, he says, who will free me from this, right. from this body of death, right? That's yeah. the whole point. He says, who's going to free me from this body of death? Well, just back in Romans six, he says that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with. The body of death is actually gone. And so in Romans seven, what Paul's describing is his experience as a Christian that's not living in the freedom of the, the, the gospel of Jesus. And that experience was miserable. <laughs> mm -hmm. And that's why I said on Sunday, there's nothing more miserable than a Christian who's trying to live as if they're not one. Right. Um, a, a Christian that's wrapped up in habitual sin is miserable because yeah. they can't enjoy the sin like they could when they were dead, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and they also can't walk in the freedom of sin, but, from sin. So it's kind of this weird in between place where um, if you read Romans seven and then you go into Romans eight, Paul describes from the very beginning, um, therefore is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus for the law of the spirit and life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death. Hmm. Like, so what Paul then is realizing between this, this chapter of Romans seven and Romans eight is the freedom that Jesus gives when you come to the end of yourself and say, I can't do it. See, Romans 7 was a Christian trying to live under the law yeah. on his own. And he couldn't live up to it. He couldn't meet the standard. It's legalism is what it is. And you can't, mm -hmm. know, it, you can't flourish in that. Romans 8 is recognizing the grace of God, which is so much more than just God's forgiveness. It's actually God's complete rescue out of our sin. And so... It's, it's not just being forgiven for your sin, which is kind of what you described as the old church that you were part of. You know, they, they talked about the grace of God by grace, you have been saved. And it's true. Positionally, you're forgiven. But Jesus also rescued us from sin, that yeah. the body of sin would be done away with, as we just read in Romans 6. Our old person was crucified. And so as you read on in Romans chapter 8, he talks about the fact that... Um, that now as a new creation in Christ, we have no obligation to our sinful nature anymore because that person's dead. That, that, yeah. that body of sin is done away with. And so though we still carry around the shadow of that and we still have the flesh to bear with us while we're still in this, in this life, um, in Jesus, we are now free from sin. Yeah. And yeah. that when we face those struggles and those temptations, we can actually lay them down at the feet of Jesus and he can take them for us. And that's the hard thing because I think when you're stuck in sin, it feels like there's no escape right? and there's not on your own. It has to be Jesus delivering it from delivering you from it. And, mm -hmm. and he does, and he will um, moment by moment, you know, and, yeah. and that, 
as you abide in the vine, you know, that the fruit grows. And so, um, it's something that's hard to wrap your mind around, but the experience of it is really liberating. So, yeah. Would you say then that the effort on our part shouldn't be to try and stop doing the sin, but it should be to just get close to Jesus and then he will lead us out of that. Is that, is that correct to say that? Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Because I mean, like a, a good tree doesn't bear bad fruit, right? That, that, like mm. Jesus talked about this. And um, if you're abiding in and connected to the vine, to Jesus, like it talks about in John chapter 15, mm-hmm. you're going to bear good fruit. Yeah. And it's going to be increasing in fruit. Now, I mean, I've heard people take this to the extreme to where I wouldn't necessarily do this. There's a, there's a, but there's a, there's a guy, there's a really powerful book on this subject called Sidetracked in the Wilderness by Michael Wells. Um, it's kind of out, it's kind of hard to find, honestly, but, but it's a good book. I recommend anybody that's struggling with this, read that book, but there's a part in it where he's talking to this guy that was a cocaine addict and the guy's like, I can't quit doing cocaine. I just really can't stop. I have to have it every morning when I wake up in the morning and this is my deal. And, and Michael Wells is counseling him and he says, um, he says, okay, well, what do I do now that I'm a Christian? I, how do I stop doing this? And he's like, you know, how do I stop taking cocaine? And well, Michael's like, well, what would you, what would you normally do? He's like, I would wake up in the morning and I would take cocaine and then I would go about with my day. And he's like, okay, well go home, take the cocaine, <laughs> which I'm like, wait, really? You're telling the guy to do this. He's like, and then recognize that you have no power over that sin in your life and give it to the Lord and ask him for his help. And, mm-hmm. and you just keep doing that until he helps you in that. And this is a little bit extreme. I don't know that I would go that when somebody's yeah. dealing with a drug that could kill them, I'd probably, you know, have a right. little bit of a different tact. But um, his his point was that you have to recognize that you can't stop doing this yeah. sin. And you can only stop in as much as Jesus is giving you the strength to stop. And this guy, he said he took it for the first day. And then he gave it to the Lord that night as he prayed. He took it the second day. He gave it to the Lord that night as he prayed and said, Lord, I have no power over this. I need you. And then the third day he woke up and he just couldn't take it anymore. Wow. And he was completely delivered and That's never awesome. went back to it. You know, yeah. um, again, I'm not saying if you're an alcoholic, yeah. please go drink tonight. That's not <laughs> what I'm, saying. I'm, I'm, I'm just using his, his illustration yeah. to point out that, that it's not yours to stop doing. It's yeah. Jesus's to remove from you. And he can, and he will, as you abide in him. And so Mm. I think sometimes we get so frustrated with ourselves for our lack of spiritual progress. Um, And when we do that, we bring condemnation on ourselves again. And then it's a downward spiral instead of just coming to the Lord every day and saying, man, I can't, I can't do anything on my own. I need you 100% and allowing him to empower you to do that. Totally had that experience with uh, chewing tobacco. I, I had done it for, I think, 20 years or something like that. And uh, I had friends who had tried to stop and they weren't able to. And and then the Lord spoke to me about it and just like I, I knew he wanted me to stop. And um, I was just like, well, you're going to have to take the desire away because I don't think I can stop. And I, I, I didn't chew because we were on vacation and uh, I hadn't chewed for like a week. And when I got home, I got a can of Copenhagen and put a dip in and I almost threw up like the first time I had ever taken a, a dip of Copenhagen. Yeah. And I was like, well, that was weird. And, uh, 
then a, a couple of days went by and I took, took another dip, same thing. And I was like, what in the world is going on? And I just felt like the Lord spoke yeah. to me. He's like, I took the desire away, man. And that was it. I never yeah. did Copenhagen again. Uh, right. It was over and uh, definitely had that experience. Well, yeah. well, our time is short. Um, this is great discussion. I, was, I had a few other questions I wanted to ask you, but uh, we don't have time to get to it. But such a such a great topic, and I think very practical for so many people. You know, just learning to to walk in that freedom and that joy of you know being freed from sin and yeah. uh, the rescue that the Lord has done in our life, and and allowing the conviction of the Spirit, but not walking in that condemnation. So, thank you for that teaching, Nate, and thanks for taking some time with us here today. Yeah, absolutely. It's been, it's been good. And, you know, just one last thing before you mentioned, I had that same experience with addiction in my life. Um, I remember something that I just kept going back to, kept going back to, and I couldn't stop. And I finally, I remember sitting down and reading in Romans eight and uh, it was in uh, verse 12 and 13 when God just spoke to me and said, Hey, you, you don't, you don't have to do this anymore. And then it was just like, it was like a light switch went off and it was free. There you go. Now, that doesn't mean that those things don't come back to haunt you later and, you know, come up again. You have to go back to Jesus every time and mm-hmm. really come back to the vine. You know, it's, it's a moment by moment um, freedom. It's not like, well, I got set free from that 30 years ago and now I'm good to go. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's a constant abiding. In fact, I think sometimes God will allow us to face those same temptations at times later down the road to help us see that we need to go back to him. Right, right. You know, so, take heed when you think uh, you stand, lest you fall. Yes, yeah, for sure, absolutely. for sure. So, anyways, yes, thank you. Um, yeah. And, oh, and by uh, the way, uh, first song I ever wrote was Romans Seven, and maybe really? I'll sing it for you sometime. Okay. I do Sorry, we don't that. have time today. Should make it the the the, the, the music for this episode. <laughs> maybe that'll be the outro. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Maybe not. All right. We'll see you next time on Unscripted. Thanks for joining us for today's conversation. If you'd like more material from Pastor Nate, you can go to PastorNate.com. That's the word pastor, the letter N, and the number 8.com. And for more information about our church, you can connect with us through our website at mountainlife.church. Hope you can join us again next week as we continue the conversation.